0: Greetings family, reading from Dr. David Yonghee Cho, the book, The Fourth Dimension. I went into a missionary trip to Vietnam about 20 years ago, 23 years ago, and we happened to stop by Korea, South Korea, Seoul, Korea on the way there, and we were there nine hours late over. And the uh, air flight got us a, a room and a hotel and to rest. But as young as we were, we took off to look at the city. We looked at the maps and I asked our, our pastor, where is Rama? excuse me, where is the uh, Younghee's church? The one with 800,000 members in South Korea. And, uh, he looked it up, and he says, you know, it's not too far. We'll have to take a train and do this and that. And uh, so we did. We successfully, on the way back, and he said, we'll do it on the way back. We're going to lay over after we hit uh, v- Thailand, Vietnam, and Burma. On the way back, we'll go ahead and do it. And when we came back on the flight, inexpensive flight, I guess it was, <clears throat> nine-hour layover, we went to uh, South Korea, and we did two things. We went to uh, to this church, and I picked up this book. Uh, it was written way back in there. He, uh, well, you know what? Let me read you the jacket. I picked it up at his church. You know where he had built the fourth dimension. A new dimension of living awaits you. This book will take you beyond ordinary living to a world of answer prayer, a creative way of life, dynamic faith, and true communion with God. <clears throat> the immense of my death, eminence of my death, brought me to the realization that I needed something greater than religion, greater than a philosophy, and even greater than sympathy for the trials of human existence. I needed someone who could share my struggles and sufferings, someone who could give me victory, through reading the Bible, I discovered that someone to be the Lord Jesus Christ, Dr. David Paul Yonghee Cho. <clears throat> yes, in, uh, in Korea, I found this book in English in their library, and I bought it and brought it back. Dr. David Cho is the pastor of the Fu Gospel Central Church in Seoul, Korea. His church has become one of the largest worshiping bodies in the world. The congregation numbers over 730,000 members involved in more than 25,000 home cell groups. Dr. Cho has authored such bestsellers as Successful Home Cell Groups, Unleashing the Power of Faith, The Fourth Dimension, Volume 2, Solving Life's Problems, Sufferings, Why Me, A Leap of Faith, and Fourth Dimensional Living in a Three-Dimensional World. Amen. And now, let me read you the introduction. You know what I'm getting at. I pray that you go out there and order your book from Amazon. I had to go, what is it, 14,000 miles? Go get this book and bring it back. Foreword. Who does the foreword? Dr. Robert Schuler did the foreword. Who does the preface? Well, you know what? The preface says, I'm just going to read. It's about four pages long. It says, through the years, I'm just going to read you the back page. Through the years, God has helped me to understand several important principles of faith. These are the principles I share with you in the chapters that follow. In order that you can enter a deeper dimension and more abundant life. Christ is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christ wants to bear your burdens. Jesus can forgive and heal you. He can cast out Satan and give you confidence, faith, and peace. Christ wants to give you life eternal and be a present part of your daily living. While these come to kill and destroy, Jesus Christ comes to give you life, life full and free. <clears throat> Through the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is with you right now. Christ desires to heal you and to deliver you from death. He is your living Lord. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and expect a miracle today. Amen. Now, as you remember, he was dying of tuberculosis, about 18 blood. And his parents were so poor in uh, South Korea that he even witnessed communism um, invading their country. Back in the fifties, and and burying families that were Christians alive with bulldozers. That's what he talks about in this book. Um, so you know, this poverty-stricken, he tried everything, and he was still dying. The story is that a young girl, the whole community, the poor community, uh, heard about you know they knew. So this Christian girl came to talk to him. And she says, uh, Jesus can help you get healed. And he, of course, he pushed her away, pushed her away till finally she kept coming back in tears. And she, she led them to the Lord Jesus Christ and left her Bible there. And, he, and she said, don't start reading in the beginning. You'll die by the time you get into Exodus, Leviticus. She goes, go into the New Testament and start reading there. And he, and he did. And this is his account. I think this might be his first book, The Fourth Dimension. And he did a second volume, volume two. I read that too. But he said he ne- he, didn't, he didn't change anything, hardly anything. When he revised the, uh, the volume one, he goes, everything is set the same way. I wrote it way back then. But I wanted to jump forward and read. There's so many good principles. Let's see how many chapters in here. These are intelligent way to live our lives through Christ Jesus through someone else's experience. They have fruit on the tree. In other words, he built a university, he built the hotel, he built the church, he uh hawked his house and they almost lost everything many times. Now, chapter 1 is called Incubation, a Law of Faith, Incubation. Chapter 2, the Fourth Dimension. Chapter 3, the Creative Power of the Spoken Word. Chapter 4, Rhema. Chapter 5, the School of Andrew. And chapter 6, God's Address. Amen. And it has about 150 pages. Yep, 157 pages, 58. Should be an easy reading. And I need to read this again. So I opened it to uh, chapter 4, Rhema. I've been studying about Rhema. So I already read the book many times. So here we go. The spoken word has powerful creativity. And its proper usage is vital to a victorious Christian life. This spoken word, however, must have a correct basis to be truly effective. Reading Chapter 4, The Fourth Dimension. Rhema is entitled. The spoken word has powerful creativity, and its proper usage is vital to a victorious Christian life. This spoken word, however, must have a correct basis to be truly effective. The principle for discovering the correct basis for the spoken word is one of the most important portions of God's truth. It is concerning this topic that I want to share with you now. Faith in God's Word, Problems and Productivity. One day, a lady on a stretcher was carried into my office. She was paralyzed from her neck down and could not even move her fingers. As she was being carried into my office on a stretcher, I began to feel a strange sensation. It felt as if my heart was being troubled, just as there was expectancy by the pool of Bethsaida. I knew that something was going to happen. I went beside her stretcher, and when I looked into her eyes, I realized that she'd already had the faith to be healed. Not a dead faith, but a living faith. I touched her forehead with my hand and said, Sister, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. Instantly, the power of God came, and she was healed. She stood up from her stretcher, thrilled, frightened, and amazed. She later came to my house bringing gifts, and after entering my study, she asked, Could I please close the door? Yes, I replied, Close the door. Then she knelt down before me, still amazed that she had been healed, and said, Sir, please reveal yourself to me. Are you the second incarnate Jesus? I laughed and laughed. Felt good. Dear sister, you know that I eat three meals a day, and I go to the bathroom and sleep every night. I am as human as you are, and the only way I have salvation is through Jesus Christ. This woman had received such a miraculous healing that word of it instantly spread. Soon afterwards, one rich woman came to the church, also being carried in by a stretcher. She had been a Christian for a long time and a deaconess in the church. She had memorized scripture after scripture regarding divine healing. I am the Lord that healeth thee, Exodus fifteen twenty-six. With his stripes we are healed, Isaiah 53, 5. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness, Matthew eight seventeen, And these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover, Mark sixteen seventeen and 18. So I prayed for her with all my might, but nothing happened. Then I shouted, repeating the same prayers for healing. I used the word of God and even jumped, but nothing happened. I asked her to stand up by faith. Many times she would stand, but the moment I took my hand away, she would fall down like a piece of dead wood. Then I would say, have more faith and stand up. Again, she would stand up, and again, she would fall down. She would then claim to me that she had all the faith in the world, but her faith never would work. I became quite depressed, and eventually she began to cry. She claimed, Pastor, you are prejudiced. You love that other woman so much that you heal her but you don't really love me so I am still sick you are prejudiced sister sister I replied have I done everything you saw me I have prayed I have cried I have jumped I have shouted I did everything that a Pentecostal preacher can do but nothing happened I and I can't understand it In my church, this bothersome problem of one being healed while another remains ill has not limited itself to this one situation. World-famous evangelists have come to my church and enthusiastically preached, every one of you is going to be healed. Yes, every one of you. They pour out words of faith, and many people would receive healing. But then they would leave, receiving all the glory, and I would be left to content with those not healed. These people would come to me, discouraged and cast down, and say, We are not healed. God has given given up on us. God has given upon us. We are completely forgotten. Why should we continue to struggle to come to Jesus Christ and believe? I then travail and cry, Why? Why, Father? Why should it be like this? God, please give me the answer. A very clear-cut answer, and he did. So now I would like to share this answer with you and some realizations that led me to this understanding. People think they can believe on the Word of God. They can, but they fail to differentiate between the Word of God, which gives general knowledge about God, and the Word of God, which God uses to impart faith about specific circumstances into a man's heart. It is the latter type of fate which brings miracles. The Word of God, which God uses to impart fate about fate, specific circumstances in a man's heart. In other words, there's a certain set of words that God uses as a tool to do surgery on us humans. Amen? Here we go. In the Greek language, there are two different words for word. Logos and Rhema. Huh. The world was created by the word Logos of God. Logos is the general word of God, stretching from Genesis to Revelations for all these books directly or indirectly tell about the word Jesus Christ. By reading the Logos from Genesis to Revelations, you can receive all the knowledge you need about God and His promises. But just by reading, you do not receive faith. You have received knowledge and understanding about God, but you do not receive faith. Romans ten seventeen shows that, that the materials used to build faith is more than just reading God's Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. In this scripture, Word is not logos, but rhema. Faith specifically comes by hearing the rhema. In his Greek lexicon, Dr. Ironside has the defined Logos as the said Word of God and Rhema as the saying Word of God. The sane Word of God and then the said Word of God or the printed Word of God and the other one is the saying Word of God. Many scholars define this action of Rhema as being the Holy Spirit using a few verses of Scripture and quickening it personally to one individual person. Here is my definition of Rhema Rhema is a specific word to a specific person in a specific situation. Again, Dr. Cho says that Rhema is a specific word to a specific person in a specific situation. Then he goes on to say, once in Korea, a lady by the name of Yoon Hae Kyung Young had a tremendous youth meeting in Samgak Mountain. She had a great ministry. When she stood up and people came forward, they would fall down, slain under the power of the Holy Spirit. Many young people would flock to her meetings And when she held a youth campaign on Samgak Mountains, thousands of young people came to join in. During the week of the youth campaign, it rained heavily, and all the rivers overflowed. A group of young people wanted to go to the town on the opposite side of the river where the meetings were being held. But when they came to the bank of the river, it was flooded. There was not a bridge or a boat to to be seen And most of them became discouraged. But three girls got together and said, Why can't we just wade through the water? Peter walked on the water, and Peter's God is our God. Peter's Jesus is our Jesus, and Peter's faith is our faith. Peter believed, and we should do it all the more. We are going to go over this river. The river was completely flooded, But these three girls knelt down and held hands together, quoting the scriptures containing the story of Peter walking on the water, and they claimed they could believe in the same way. Then, in the sight of the rest of their group, they shouted and began to wade through the water. Immediately, they were swept away by an angry flood, and after three days, their bodies dead were found in the open sea. This incident caused repercussions throughout Korea. Non-Christian newspapers carried the story, making headlines of it. Their God could not save them. Why did God not answer their prayers of faith? So unbelievers had a real heyday as a result of this occurrence. And the Christian church experienced a slump, feeling depressed and discouraged, having no adequate answer. This became a topic of discussion all over Korea and many previously good Christians lost their faith. They would say, these girls believed exactly as our minister have taught. They exercised their faith from the platform. Our pastors constantly urged the people to boldly exercise their faith in the word of God. These girls did just that. So why didn't God answer? Jehovah God must not be a living God. This must be just be a formalistic religion we have been involved in. What kind of answers would you give to these people? Those girls had believed they had exercised faith based on the word of God. But God had no reason to support their faith. Peter never walked on the water because of logos, which gives general knowledge about God. Peter required that Christ give a specific word to him. Peter asked, Lord, if you are Jesus, command me to come. Jesus replied, come. The word Christ gave to Peter was not logos, but rhema. He gave a specific word, come, to a specific person, Peter, in a specific situation, a storm. Rhema brings faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by Rhema. Peter never walked on the water by knowledge of God alone. Peter had Rhema. But these girls had only logos, a general knowledge of God, in this case, the working of God through Peter. They exercised their human faith on logos. That was their mistake. God, therefore, had no responsibility to support their faith and the difference between the way. These girls exercise faith, and the way Peter exercised faith is at the difference between night and day. Two years ago, two Bible graduates failed completely in their first venture into the ministry. These two fellows had been disciples of mine. They listened to my lectures. They came to my church and learned in concept the principles of faith. They began their first venture into the ministry with what seems to be a great deal of faith. Cleaning to such scriptures as, Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Psalms 81.10 If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14.14 They went to a bank and made a large loan. Then they went to a rich man and made another loan. With this money, they bought land and built a beautiful sanctuary. Without even having a congregation, they began preaching, expecting the people to flock. In by the hundreds and their debt to be paid, but nothing like that happened. One of these young ministers had borrowed approximately thirty thousand, the other about fifty thousand. Soon their creditors came to collect their payments, and these young men were cornered in a terrible situation, arriving at a point where they were near to losing their faith in God. Then they both came to me, they cried Pastor Cho. Why is your God and our God different? You started with $2,500, and now you have complete, completed a $5 million project. We went out and built things which cost only a total of 80000 Why wouldn't God answer us? We believe in the same God, and we exercise the same faith. So why hasn't he answered? Then they started quoting scripture containing promises from the Old Testament and New Testament, adding, We did exactly as you taught, and we failed. Then I replied, I am glad that you have failed after hearing my word. Surely you are my disciples, but you have not been the disciples of Jesus Christ. You misunderstood my teaching. I started my church because of rhema, not just logos. God clearly spoke to my heart, saying, Rise up, go out and build a church which will seat 10,000 people. God imparted his faith to my heart, and I went out, and a miracle occurred. But you went out just with a logos, a general knowledge about God and his faith. God, therefore, had no responsibility to support you, even though your ministry was for the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, through logos, you can know God. You can gain understanding and knowledge about him. But Logos does not always become Rema. Suppose a sick man were to have gone to the pool of Bethesda and said to those around it, You foolish fellows, why are you waiting here? This is always the same pool in the same location with the same water. Why would you wait here day after day? I'm just going to jump in and wash myself. Then he might have dived in and washed himself. But if he were to come out of the water, he would not have been healed. It was only after the angel of the Lord came and troubled the water that the people could jump in and wash and be healed. Yet it was still the same pool, of Bethsaida, at the same location with the same water. Only with the, when the water was troubled by God's angel could a miracle occur. Rhema is produced out of Logos. It's like the pool of Bethsaida. You may listen to the word of God and you may study the Bible, but only when the Holy Spirit comes and quickens a scripture or scriptures into your heart, burning them in your soul and letting you know that they apply directly to your specific situation, does Logos become Rhema. Logos is given to everybody. Logos is common to Koreans, Europeans, Africans, and Americans, Mexicans. It is given to all so that they may gain knowledge about God. But Rhema is not given to everyone. Rhema is given to that specific person who is waiting upon the Lord until the Holy Spirit quickens Logos into Rhema. If you... Never have time to wait upon the Lord, then the Lord can never come and quicken you, quicken the needed scriptures to your heart. Page 77. This is a busy age. People come to church and are entertained. They hear a church sermon and are dismissed without having any time of waiting upon the Lord. They get the Logos, but since they do not receive Rhema, they miss out on seeing the miraculous workings of God and begin to doubt His power. People must come to the main sanctuary, listen attentively to the preacher, and wait upon the Lord. But they do not come and listen prayerfully to the preacher, waiting upon the Lord to receive Rhema. Therefore, they cannot receive the faith they need for the solutions to their problems. Their knowledge of the Bible increases as their problems increase. And they come to church, nothing happens. So they begin to fall away and lose faith. Another problem with many churches in this active age is the ministers are busy with too many matters. They spend hours and hours as a janitor, financier, constructor, and contractor going in a hundred different directions. By Saturday, they are so tired that they are... They fumble around trying to find some logos to preach on. They are so tired that they have no time to wait upon the Lord. No time to change the green grass into white milk. Their congregations are simply fed grass and not even giving the milk of the word. This is a grave mistake. Lay persons are not the pastor's enemies, but his friends. As did the apostle, so should the minister concentrate on prayer and the ministering of the word of God, delegating any other type of work to his deacons, deaconesses, and other lay leaders. I follow this pattern in my church, and I dare not go up to the platform without first waiting upon the Lord and receive the rhema God would have me give me for the message. If I do not receive rhema, I will not go to the platform. So I go up to a prayer mountain on Saturday, crawl into a little grotto, little cave, close the door and wait there until the Holy Spirit comes and gives me the needed rhema. Sometimes I stay the whole night through during that time praying, saying, Lord, tomorrow the people are coming with all kinds of problems, sickness, diseases, family problems, problems in business, every type of problem that can be imagined. They are coming not only to hear general knowledge about you, but they are also coming to receive real solutions to their problems. If we don't give them a living faith, Rama, then they are going to go back home without receiving their solutions. I need to have a specific message for a specific people at a specific time. Then I wait until God gives me that message. When coming to the platform, I march in like a general, knowing that the message I preach is under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. After I preach, people in the congregation come to me and say, Pasta, you preach exactly the word I needed. I got faith that my problems will be solved. This is because I helped supply to them the rhema. Brothers and sisters, we are not building a holy country club in the church. We deal rather with matters of life and death. If the pastor does not supply rhema to his people, then you have just a religious social club. In the social world, already one can see organizations such as the Kiwanis Club and Rotary Clubs and their members pay a tithe also. The churches we build should be places where people get their solutions from the Lord, receive miracles for their lives, and can gain not just a knowledge about God, but get to know Him in a vital way. In order to do this, the pastor must first receive rhema. Christians should be given time to wait upon the Lord so that the Holy Spirit can have a full opportunity to deal with their lives and inspire them through the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit can take scripture, the said word of God, and apply it to a person's heart, making it the same word of God. The logo then becomes the rhema. Now, I can tell you why so many people cannot receive healing. All the promises are potential, not literally. Yours, never simply pick a promise out of God's word and say, oh, Oh, this is mine i will repeat it over and over again this is mine yes this is mine no it is potentially yours yes but making it yours in practical reality by waiting upon the lord before the lord quickens a scripture to an individual the lord has many things to do the lord wants to cleanse your life and make you surrender to him the lord will never give promises promiscuously as the Lord deals with it, with you, take time to wait upon Him, confessing your sins and surrendering your life to Him. When these conditions are met, then the power of God comes. Your heart, like the pool of Bethsaida, is troubled by a particular scripture, and you know that it's a promise of yours. And you have the faith now to bring about the needed miracle. God's uppermost goal. The healing of the physical body is not the spirit's ultimate goal. You must know where the priority lies. His ultimate goal is the healing of our souls. When God deals with you, he always deals with you through the healing of your soul. If your soul is not right with God, no amount of prayer, shouting, or jumping will bring the rhema of healing to you. You must first get right with the Lord. Confess your sins. Apply the blood of Jesus Christ, be saved, and receive eternal life. Then the Holy Spirit is going to prick your heart with a scripture of divine healing, inspire you, and give you the rhema you need. But in order for this to happen, you must wait on the Lord. Divine healing is all according to God's sovereign will. Sometimes a person receives healing instantly. Another person must wait a longer time. One of our church's finest deacons became ill. This deacon gave everything to the Lord, loving God and working for the Lord in an amazing way. He was told that he had a growth inside his body and that the doctor wanted to operate. But everybody in my church knew that God was going to heal him, for he was a tremendous saint with action and great faith. This was their reasoning. I prayed for his healing, All of our then 40,000 members prayed, storming the throne of His grace, and the deacon claimed the healing. But nothing happened. He became worse and worse. Eventually, he blessed so badly, he was carried to the hospital. And operated on. Many of my members were worried, and they complained. Where is God? Where is God treating? Why is God treating him like this? But I praised God, for I knew that he had some specific purpose in what was happening. When he was hospitalized in the ward, he began to preach the gospel to all the people with whom he had made contact. Soon the whole hospital knew that there was a living Jesus, his representative right in their hospital. The doctors, nurses, and all the patients daily became saved. Then our members rejoiced, saying, Praise God, it was far better for him to be in the hospital than to be divinely and immediately healed. God showed that his priority was the eternal healing of souls rather than the earthly healing of the physical. When there is pain and suffering, we are apt to claim deliverance. But this we should not do. If your suffering should bring about redemptive grace or if your suffering becomes the channel for the flowing of God's redeeming grace, then your suffering has been God-appointed. If, however, your suffering becomes invalid and starts to destroy you, then this is from Satan and you should pray through and rid yourself of it. I will relate to you one case in which God did not deliver people from their suffering. It was during the Korean War when 500 ministers were captured and immediately shot to death, 500 of them, and 2,000 churches were destroyed. The communists were vicious to the ministers. One minister's family was captured in Incheon, Korea, and the communist leader put put them on what they call a people's trial. The accusers would say, one man is guilty of causing this kind of sin, And for that kind of sin, it is proper that he be punished. The only response then given would be a chorus of voices agreeing, Ya, ya. This time they dug a large hole, putting the pastor, his wife, and several of his children in. The leader then spoke, Mister, all these years you misled the people with the superstition of the Bible. Now, if you will publicly disclaim it before these people and repent of this misdemeanor, then you, your wife, and your children will be freed. But if you persist in your superstitions, all of your family is going to be buried alive. Make a decision. All of his children then blurted, Oh, Daddy, Daddy, think of us, Daddy. Think of it. If you were in his place, what would you do? I am the father of three children and would almost feel like going to hell rather than see my children killed. This father was shaken. He lifted up his hands and said, Yes, yes, I'll do it. I'm going to denounce my." But before he could finish his sentence, his wife nudged him, saying, Daddy, say no. Hush, children, she said. Tonight we're going to have supper with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. She led them in singing. In the sweet by and by, her husband and her children following. While the communists began to bury them, soon the children were buried. But until the soil came up to their necks, they sang, and all the people watched. God did not deliver them. But almost all of those people who watched their, this execution became Christians, many now members of my church. Through their suffering, the grace of redemption flowed. God gave His only begotten Son to be crucified on the cross so that this world could be saved and redeemed. That is God's uppermost goal, the redemption of souls. So when you desire divine healing or an answer from above, always focus through the lenses of the uppermost goal, the redeeming of souls. If you see that your suffering brings about more redemption than your healing, Then do not ask for deliverance, but ask God to give you strength to persevere. To discern between suffering brought by Satan that God would rather deliver and suffering that God would use to bring about the flow of redemptive grace, is not always easy. To make this kind of decision, you need to wait upon the Lord and to know the will of the Lord. Do not become discouraged and go around receiving prayer from one famous evangelist and then another but through your prayer, fasting, and faith. Let God show you His will. When the Holy Spirit quickens the logos of Scripture to you, a miraculous faith is imparted to your heart. You know that the Scripture no longer belongs to the said Word of God, but is instantly the same Word of God for you. You must then stand upon that Word and go ahead and do it even though you can see nothing, even though you cannot touch anything, and even though your whole life is pitch dark. Once you receive the rhema, do not be frightened. Just go ahead and walk on the water, and you will see a miracle. Be careful, however, not to move ahead of God. Many people do move ahead of God, even as did Paul in his eagerness to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ Jesus Christ had commanded that we go to the ends of the world and preach the gospel. So Paul went out on the Logos and headed for Asia, but the Spirit of Jesus Christ did not permit him to go there. Then Paul said, I will go to Bithynia, but again the Spirit of the Lord said no. Paul and his company then went down on Troas to Troas and an unknown city, We can imagine his wonderings there, that he was confused, thinking to himself, I was just obeying the command of Jesus. Jesus said to go to the ends of the world and preach the gospel. Why am I a failure? But as he was praying and waiting upon the Lord, he received the rhema, and a man from Macedonia appeared in a vision and said, Come into Macedonia to help us. So he took a boat and crossed over to Europe. Through Paul's example, we can again see the difference between Logos and Rhema. Receiving Rhema. People have come to me and commented, Brother Cho, I can pray through about the various promises from the scripture, and I can wait until the Holy Spirit quickens and applies them to me, but how can I get Rhema about choosing a husband or a wife? I read all the scriptures, but the Bible does not say whether I should go marry Elizabeth, Mary, or Joanne. How can I get the rhema about this? Also, the Bible does not say that you should go and live in Lakeland, Los Angeles, or in some northern area. How can I receive God's will about that? These are legitimate questions. Let me show you five steps I use to get the rhema about these types of decisions. A neutral gear. Neutral gear. The first step is to put myself in neutral gear, not forward or backward, but completely calm in my heart. Then I wait upon the Lord saying, Lord, here I am. I will listen to your voice. If you say yes, I will go. If you say no, I'm not going. I don't wish to make decisions for my own benefit, but to decide according to your desire. Whether it becomes good for me or bad for me, I'm ready to accept your guidance. With this attitude, I wait upon the Lord. Many times the best action is to take it so too fast and pray. For if you eat too much, you get so tired that you cannot pray. Then if you know that you are really calmed down, you come to the second step. Divine Desire. The second thing I do is to ask the Lord to reveal his will through my desire. God always comes to you through your sanctified desire. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of thine heart. Psalm thirty seven four. The desires of the righteous shall be granted, Proverbs ten twenty four. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Mark 11:24 Desire then is one of God's focusing points moreover Philippians 2:13 reads for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure Through the Holy Spirit God puts in your heart the desire making you to will to do his will so pray to the Lord how now Lord, now give me the desires according to your will. Pray through and wait upon the Lord until God gives you divine desire. As you pray, many desires, beautiful desires will probably flow in. In your praying, then also have the patience to wait for God's desire to settle in. Do not stand up and say, Oh, I got everything, and rush away. Wait upon the Lord a little longer. Desires can be given from Satan, from your own spirit, or from the Holy Spirit. Time is always a test. If you wait patiently, your own desire and desires from Satan will become increasingly weaker. But the desire from the Holy Spirit becomes stronger and stronger. So wait and receive divine desire. Spiritual Screening. Scriptural Screening. After my desire becomes very clear cut, then I proceed to step three. I compare the desire with biblical teaching. One day a lady came to me, all excited, she said, Oh Pastor Cho Cho, I am going to support your ministry with a large amount of money. Praise God, I exclaimed. Have a seat and tell me about this. She explained, I have a fantastic desire to go into business. <laughs> the business deal is going on and if i join in i can i think i can make big money what kind of business is it i asked she replied i have a burning desire to get a monopoly on the cigarette business tobacco you know forget about it i retorted <clears throat> but i have the desire she said the burning desire just like you you preached about the desire is from your own flesh, I replied. Have you ever gone through the Bible to see if what you would do be doing is scriptural? No, she said. Your desire must be screened through the scripture, I instructed her. The Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, first Corinthians six nineteen. If God ever wanted his people to smoke, then he would have made our noses differently. Smoke stacks are supposed to be open upwards to the sky and not downward. Think about the nose. It is not pointing upward, but downward. God did not purpose that smoke people smoke because our smoke stacks are upside down. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in your body. If you pollute it with smoke, then you're polluting the temple of the Holy Spirit with smoke. Your desire is out of the will of God. It would be best if you just forget about this new business. One man came to me and said, Pastor, I struck up a friendship with a beautiful woman, a widow. She is sweet, beautiful, and wonderful. And when I pray, I have a burning desire to marry her. But I also have my wife and children. Look, I replied, you forget about this because it's from the devil. Oh, no, no, this is from not from the devil. He disagreed. When I prayed, the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart and told me that my original wife was not exactly the right kind of rib to fit in my side. My present wife is always a thorn in my flesh. The Holy Spirit spoke and said that this widow is my lost rib, which will fit exactly into my side. I told him that is not from the Holy Spirit, that's from the devil's spirit. Many people make this kind of mistake if they pray against the written word of God, then the devil will speak The Holy Spirit will never contradict God's Word, God's written Word. That man did not listen to me, and he divorced his wife, and he married a widow. He is now, of all men, the most miserable. He found out that his second rib was even worse than his first. So all of our desires should be carefully screened with Scripture. If you do not have the self-confidence to do this yourself, then go to your ministers or pastor. A Beckoning Signal After I screen my desire through the written word, the teachings of God, then I am ready to, for step four, to ask God for a Beckoning Signal from my circumstances. If God truly has spoken to your heart, then he is bound to give you a signal from the outside external world. When Elijah prayed seven times for rain, he received a signal from the eastern sky. A patch as large as a man's fist, a cloud appeared. Gideon also provided us with an example, for he too asked for a sign. And God would always show me a sign from my circumstances. Sometimes the sign was very small, but it still was a sign. Divine Timing. After I have received a sign, then I take the final step. I pray until I know God's timing. God's timing is different from our timing. You must pray until you have a real peace, for peace is like the chief umpire. If after you pray, you still feel a restlessness in your spirit, then the timing is not proper. That means there is still a red light. So keep praying and waiting. When the red light is switched off and you see a green light, peace will come into your heart. Then you should jump up and go. Go then with full speed, with God's blessings and God's rhema. Miracle after miracle will follow you. All through life, I have carried out and conducted my business by using these five steps. So far, God has always confirmed this way of walking with signs and miracles following. These results must show clearly the difference between logos and rhema. In the future, you need no longer be confused about the promises of God. No amount of claiming, travailing, jumping, or shrieking will convince him. God is going to convince you himself by imparting his faith into your heart. The English translations of Mark 11, 22 and 23 says that you should have faith in God and then you should be able to command a mountain to be removed and cast into the sea. The Greek, however, says that you should have the faith of God. How can you have the faith of God? When you receive rhema, the faith given is not your own. It is imparted faith that God has given you after receiving this imparted faith, then you can command mountains to be removed. Without receiving God's faith, you cannot do this. It's kind of like receiving God's authority for that mission, for that specific mission. A word. Amen. If for no other reason you should carefully study the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, in order to give the Holy Spirit the material with which he needs to work. Then when you wait upon the Lord, the Holy Spirit will impart his faith to you. Great miracles will follow you as you act on this faith. Miracles in your ministry and in your home. So wait upon the Lord, never consider it a waste of time. When God speaks to your heart, he can in one second do far greater things than you could do in an entire year. Wait upon the Lord, and you will see great things accomplished.